This is AWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hi, this is Richard Ingebretson. Uh Today we're going to talk about emerging diseases. Uh, that's a very sounds like a very broad topic, but we're going to narrow it down to dengue, uh, chikungunya, and Zika uh, to just focus on those, since those are common travel-related, wilderness-related uh, diseases that are uh, frequently encountered now by many people as they travel and go into the wilderness to participate in activities. So emerging diseases typically come from animals. It's estimated that six out of every ten known infections that infect people are spread from animals. And here's how it works. First, in order to become sick from an animal, a person must be in contact with, or at least in the general area of the animal. Next, the disease has to make the jump from the animal to a human. This is called a spillover event, uh, a very common term in medicine. The disease, now within a human, may go away, or it may take hold and spread. If the disease remains in a human, even for a, a, a short period of time, it is said to emerge. Diseases that come from animal reservoirs that are now in uh, humans are said to be zoonotic. So humans are forever getting closer uh, to living where animals live, and as they get closer to the animals, then they're going to get the diseases that the animals carry and thus become more susceptible to diseases, in other words, to spillovers. Zoonosis have different modes of transmission. In fact, uh, direct zoonosis, the disease is directly transmitted from the animal to the humans through media such as air. Influenza is one of those. Or through bites and saliva, that is like rabies. In contrast, transmission can also occur via an intermediate species like a vector. This would be a mosquito or a bat. Uh, These carry disease passages without uh, getting infected themselves. Uh, the reason bats don't get uh, diseases, they don't have, uh, or they carry diseases, is they don't have an immune system. A lot of modern diseases, such as Ebola virus disease and uh, salmonosis, uh, are, are uh, zoonosis diseases. HIV was a zoonotic disease that was transmitted to humans in the early part of the 20th century, though it has now mutated uh, to a separate human-only disease. Most strains of influenza that infect humans are human diseases, although many strains of swine and bird flu are zoonosis. There are viruses occasionally that recombine with human strains of the flu and can get pandemics. Zoonosis can be caused by a range of disease pathogens, such as viruses, bacteria, fungi, and parasites. A disease emerging from a spillover is extremely common. Most spillover events result in minor self-limited case with um, no further human-to-human transmission. Examples of this include rabies, anthrax, histoplasmosis. Other zoonotic pathogens are able to be transmitted by humans and then produce secondary cases establishing chains of transmission. Some of these are the, some of the more deadly ones like Ebola, Marburg, uh, 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 flavoviruses. And um, finally, some spillover events can result in the final adaption of the microbe to humans who then become a new stable reservoir. This occurred when Borrelia burgdorferi was identified uh, after numerous cases of juvenile rheumatoid arthritis were found in Lyme, Connecticut in the 1970s. It was identified by microbiologist Wilhelm 
Willie Brugdorfer in 1982 as the cause of Lyme disease. Developers had leveled trees in and around Lyme, Connecticut, and built houses where the trees once stood. These trees were home to birds, uh, large birds, uh, like owls, uh, which generally prey on the mice. Uh, Some mice are the breeding grounds for young ticks. The number of mice and ticks proliferated once the trees were gone. Opossums, which generally will eat thousands of ticks each week, also left the trees uh, left when the trees were cut down, allowing the tick population to grow unchecked. With uh, an unbelievable number of ticks present, Lyme disease spilled over and emerged into the human population. Well, let's just talk about uh, dengue fever. Uh, a lot of people who hear this podcast have had this disease and probably could do a much better job. I have treated it um, numerous times in many parts of the world, but I've never had the disease. I can tell you it's painful uh, for a lot of people and uh, uh, and uh, it can be deadly. Uh, dengue originated in monkeys and spilled over into humans, they think, about 800 or so years ago. It forever uh, was restricted to Africa and Southeast Asia, and then in the mid-20th century, uh, it uh, moved around. It was spread throughout uh, tropical Southeast Asia with the maritime ships, and then it went all around the world. Uh, no one really knows what the word dengue means, where it comes from, but it is thought to be from a Swahili term that is used for bad or a, an evil disease. Dengue fever is spread through the bite of the female Aedes aegyptus mosquito. It usually bites during the day in urban areas. The mosquito becomes infected when it draws the blood of a person infected with the virus. Uh, after about one week, the mosquito can then transmit the virus while biting a healthy uh, new person. It cannot uh, be spread directly from person to person. Uh, one can avoid uh, dengue fever by uh, preventing mosquito bites uh, by using insect repellent and wearing uh, long sleeve uh, shirts. Dengue is, uh, well, no better way to say it than just a big deal. of the entire world's population uh, lives in areas that are are at risk for this disease. That's roughly 2.5 billion people. It's endemic in at least 100 or more countries. It is the leading cause of illness and death in tropics and subtropics. As many as 400 million people are infected yearly with this uh, disease. It's estimated by the World Health Organization that about 22 thousand people die annually, and sadly, that's uh, mostly children. It emerged as a a global uh, problem in in around 1960 or so. It rarely occurs in North America or Europe. It is often called breakbone fever. That is because it is painful. The mosquito-borne illness has a sudden onset, often with sort of this, that they call the dengue triad, uh, that we'll see with fever and a headache, and then they get this red uh, rash. Because of the intense pains, the victims of dengue often will have contortions that bend their joints, giving the appearance that they have broken bones. And that's uh, a lot of people call it the break bone uh, fever. There are the, the critical thing to know about this is the, that there are four distinct but closely related serotypes of the virus that cause dengue, and they're aptly named uh, DEN1, DEN2, DEN3, and DEN4. If you recover from an infection by one, it will provide lifelong immunity against that particular serotype. However, cross-immunity to the other serotypes after recovery is only partial and temporary. 
Subsequent infections by the other serotypes will increase the risk of developing a severe dengue. Typically, one type of dengue virus inhabits an area, so it is essential to know that if the patient had dengue from another area other than the one where they had it the first time. So if a patient's uh, blood pressure uh, begins to drop and they get a little mild bleeding around the gums and from the nose, maybe even the eyes, the patient has likely developed dengue hemorrhagic fever. This is uh, characterized also by a fever that will last from two to seven days. Uh, the signs and symptoms are very consistent with normal dengue fever. When the fever declines, this is when the warning uh, signs usually develop, and this marks the beginning of a 24 to 48 hour period where the patient's capillaries will become excessively permeable. This allows the fluid component to escape from the blood vessels into the peritoneum, causing ascites. The pleural cavity uh, will uh, fill up with blood. You get pleural effusions. And usually you have to have very prompt, appropriate treatment. Uh, otherwise, uh, they will get into a failure of the circulatory system and shock and possibly death. In addition, a patient with a dengue hemorrhagic fever really has a low platelet count and has hemorrhagic manifestations such as skin hemorrhages and the bleeding that we mentioned earlier. To confirm a diagnosis of dengue fever, you'd examine the skin, mouth, gums, and uh, for signs of bleeding, including petechial hemorrhage, rash of the skin. The principal signs of dengue are high fever and at least two of the following symptoms. Very severe eye pain, and that's something to remember. They uh, get a lot of pain, and they'll complain about it being behind the eyes. They'll get a lot of joint and muscle pain uh, and just feel lousy. Uh, they get a rash. Mild bleeding manifestations are not unusual in regular dengue, but it's more profound in hemorrhagic dengue. There is no known manifestations of dengue in the ear canals or the axilla or uh, in the groin. There is actually a, uh, a dengue vaccine which is now available. This just barely came out uh, and uh, in uh, 2019. It's only recommended in those who've uh, previously had dengue fever or perhaps in populations in which most people have uh, been previously infected. The value of the vaccine is limited by the fact that it may worsen outcomes in those who have not previously been infected. It is given as three injections uh, over a one-year period. Well, let's uh, uh, turn our attention to uh, chikungunya. This is also a viral disease that is transmitted to people through uh, mosquito bites. Uh, chikungunya virus is the most uh, often spread uh, to people by the Aedes aegyptus, uh, any of the Aedes species, actually, which is the same as the one that spreads dengue. Um, they bite mostly during the day, but they can bite at night, but they prefer the day. Uh, and interestingly enough, chikungunya uh, was once thought to be dengue fever. There was no distinction made. Uh, the roots of this viral illness date back to around 1953, uh, when it was first described during an outbreak in a Swahili village in the Nuala district of Tanzania in Africa. It spilled over at some point uh, from monkeys. Uh, chikungunya is aptly named. It is derived from a word in the Makandi language meaning to become contorted because the severe muscle and joint pain endured by the patient prevents them from moving normally uh, and they uh, jerk and move uh, with pain uh, performing their daily activities. Prior to 2013, chikungunya virus cases and outbreaks had been identified in countries only in Africa, some in Asia, and a few in Europe. It got down to the Indian and Pacific Oceans, but then in the late uh, in late 19 uh, in 2013, um, 
the first uh, local transmission of chikungunya virus in the Americas was identified in the Caribbean countries and territories. So now it's really a worldwide disease. Uh, 15 years ago, we wouldn't have mentioned this, and now it's something that you really have to worry about. Chikungunya does not often result in death, but the symptoms can be very severe, painful, and disabling. And uh, many people infected with chikungunya virus will develop um, uh, symptoms uh, uh, within a week, typically uh, three to seven days after being bitten by an infected mosquito. Uh, the most common symptoms are fever and just incredible joint pain. And the joint pain can last for uh, many, many years. I uh, have some patients that are out five and six years from their case of chikungunya, and they still have uh, joint pain. The cause for that is uh, really uh, not known. Once a person has been infected, he or she is most likely to be uh, protected from future infections, although that's not 100% clear. It's uh, pretty clear. Uh, after about a week, that most patients will start to feel better, but as we said, the signs can persist for uh, a long time, months and even years. There is no vaccine uh, to present, uh, prevent the chikungunya virus infection. Treatment is, is simply supportive. But again, you avoid the bite of the aetis mosquito through DEET, Picardine, and oil of lemon eucalyptus. You should treat clothing with permethrin, and you should wear clothing that is appropriate uh, to prevent mosquito bites in general and uh, avoid uh, uh, getting uh, chikungunya. Well, the last uh, uh, emerging disease that we'll mention is Zika. Its uh, name comes from the forest in uh, Uganda uh, called the Zika forest. Uh, the virus was first isolated there in 1947. Um, it is related to dengue, yellow fever, Jap Japanese encephalitis, West Nile virus. And then around 1952, the first human cases of Zika were detected. And since then, outbreaks of Zika have been reported in tropical Africa, Southeast Asia, and the Pacific Islands. Zika is uh, spread by uh, the daytime activities of the Aedes mosquito again. And the, this mosquito, of course, as we said, carries dengue and chikungunya. It typically lays its eggs near standing water, but it loves places such as bucket bowls, cracks in buildings, animal dishes, flower pots, and in vases. So the mosquito typically lives near cities and by people. They are very, very aggressive daytime biters. They can bite at night, but uh, they don't, don't uh, typically. They prefer to bite people. Then an interesting thing happened uh, from 2007 to 2016. The Zika virus spread eastward across the Pacific Ocean to the Americas, uh, leading to the tw uh, very famous 2015-2016 Zika virus epidemic. The infection known as the, uh, the Zika virus disease uh, was then named and uh, studied more extensively. It often causes no or only mild symptoms, and in fact, a lot of people can get this and not even know. It's similar to an extremely mild form of dengue fever. While there is no specific treatment, uh, acetaminophen or paracetamol and rest uh, tend to help with the symptoms if you get them. As of April 2019, there have been no uh, vaccines uh, that have been approved for clinical use, although uh, several vaccines are uh, uh, in clinical trial. The Zika virus disease usually has, of the ones we've talked, the very mildest uh, symptoms. Most people, uh, as we said, don't even know that they had it. Um, uh, uh, any infected female human who becomes pregnant, however, exposes the fetus to birth defects without knowing they may have been uh, bitten or have the disease at all. And this is why 
uh, Zika really puts the fear of God into so many people. Um, so you have to watch for this. If, if patients have been into an area where you know uh, Zika uh, could have been and uh, uh, develop a disease, you should know the symptoms. The symptoms of uh, Zika are typically uh, are, are quite mild. Uh, you can get a, a fever. It's usually not that high. You can get a rash, joint pain. But conjunctivitis is the standout. And so if people are getting conjunctivitis with mild symptoms and they've been in an area where their Zika is known to have had some activity, uh, you have to consider uh, the Zika virus disease. Um, the vast majority of people will not know they contracted it. There have been a lot of studies, and one of those suggested that only about 80% of the people who are infected even know that they've had the disease. Uh, or don't even know they had disease, while the other 20% only suffer a rash and mild fever and headache. Uh, Zika fatalities are basically unknown. Uh, they have happened, but they're very, very rare. Symptoms, if they get them, are four to five days. The incubation time for Zika is absolutely unknown, but it's thought to be a week or less. Uh, the risk of transmission of Zika is about the same as dengue and chikungunya. It's higher than the Ebola virus, primarily due to the fact that Zika spread both by mosquito and uh, by sexual transmission. It is uh, uh, of interest to note that uh, some findings that were published in the journal Science uh, suggest that an air traveler uh, brought the virus to Brazil sometime between May and December of 2013, more than a year before uh, Brazil first reported the uh, cases of Zika in early uh, 2015. The patterns that were looked at genetically suggest that the virus entered Brazil only once. It is also thought that the Zika virus was circulating in Haiti in about 2014 before it became obvious that it was spreading so quickly in Brazil. A team of researchers investigated three mysterious infections in Haiti, and they found that all were caused by the Zika virus. Unlike its close cousin dengue fever, Zika does harm uh, in developing cells in a, he a human fetus, causing a variety of issues such as microcephaly and damage similar to multiple sclerosis. There is no evidence that it infects myocardial tissue, muscle tissue, or the GI cells. The Zika virus has long been ignored as a rather harmless infection, and not a lot of studies were done, and it was causing a little more than a rash and some achiness. Even then, the symptoms appeared in a small percentage of infected people. But now, the problem is that Zika causes severe and harmful effects on developing fetus, uh, and re research report that the number is about one in uh, over one in a hundred women infected with the uh, virus during the first trimester will give birth to a baby with microcephaly. Microcephaly is an abnormality of a small head and has the potential for neurologic issues as well. There is one important caveat, though. These findings were really done from the 2013 and 14 outbreak of Zika in French Polynesia, and the, the numbers uh, are continually changing, so it remains to be seen whether uh, the actual numbers of, the, uh, the, of uh, developing microcephaly in a pregnant woman. Uh, the Zika virus has not been found in breast milk. In fact, because of the benefits of breastfeeding, mothers are encouraged to breastfeed even in areas where the Zika virus is found. A pregnant woman can pass the Zika virus on to her fetus during pregnancy and also near the time of birth. It is the cause of microcephaly and the very severe, severe fetal brain uh, defects.
There's a lot of talk about the sexual spread of Zika uh, as opposed to having it uh, be spread by the Aedes mosquito. Uh, this has been ongoing study and research and evolves. Zika can be passed uh, through sex from uh, a, a person who has Zika to his or her partners. Uh, Zika can be passed through sex even if the infected person does not have symptoms at the time. It can be passed from a person with Zika before their symptoms start, while they have symptoms, and even after the symptoms end. And I think this is one of the most scary things that we know about this disease is because people don't have it or they think their symptoms are gone, and a man or woman uh, can spread it to their partner uh, and thereby the disease can spread that way. Though not well documented, the virus may also be passed by a person who carries the virus but never develops symptoms. Studies are underway to find out how long Zika can stay in the semen and in the vaginal fluids of people who've had Zika and how long it can be passed to sexual partners. It is known that Zika can remain in semen longer than in other uh, body fluids, including vaginal fluids, urine, and blood. So uh, for couples where someone could be diagnosed with Zika virus disease or had symptoms of Zika virus disease, should consider using condoms or not having sex for at least six months after symptoms begin. Couples considering this decision should weigh the personal risks and benefits. You have to think about um, uh, a person's risk of having Zika virus disease uh, being really dependent upon the length of time he or she spent in the area with the Zika virus and whether he or she took steps to prevent mosquito bites while there. Current guidelines from the CDC in the United States of America are so concerning a, a woman who uh, wants to become pregnant or is pregnant, uh, one, consider postponing travel to any area where the Zika virus transmission is ongoing. If you must travel to or live in one area of the uh, where Zika is, uh, you have to be very careful and follow strict guidelines in preventing mosquito bites. Uh, and... Uh, if you are concerned that your partner has uh, Zika, then you have to be very strict about uh, following um, uh, protocols like wearing a condom or not even having sex uh, up to, to pregnancy and uh, during uh, pregnancy. There is beginning to be some new evidence that says uh, that there may be some brain issues and neurologic conditions related to Zika uh, one of those might be Guillain-Barre syndrome, but it's not known for certainty. However, some patients with Zika have developed Guillain-Barre syndrome, uh, and the CDC is concerned about uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome and are looking at this uh, right now. Um, the World Health Organization considers the association uh, with the virus and th this paralysis as uh, alarming, and that one is going to have to unfold uh, blood uh, transmissions of Zika, dengue, and chikungunya through blood transfusions is possible, but uh, it's not seen and it's very rare. Uh, collection methods do not preclude the transmission of these viruses, but uh, uh, they uh, just typically don't happen. Well, this ends this podcast on uh, these uh, three emerging diseases, and uh, thank you for listening.